Ooh, imagine that millions and millions of individuals doing that challenge the shiggy challenge the in my feelings challenge but i love it we're about to get our guests to probably break it down on our live before we uh, end this session but uh fired up you guys what's up this is your boy cena azari ceo accredited coming at you live from all mindset studios in beautiful orange county with the people's advisor how you been man hey man it's all good just planning we got q4 coming like everybody sees us on the podcast here and talking and chatting and hanging out with people but there's some serious business to be laid down in the next three months and i'm just getting ready for that I love it, man. You are always ready, riding the momentum, huh? I'm doing my best to create it, man. Create the momentum and hopefully get some other people to ride that wave with me. That's the way you predict your future. Absolutely. Well, you know, we got a guest in the house that this guy, uh, he originally came in here, I'd like to say probably January of this year, right before Agent 2021, the mega conference sponsored by Gary Vaynerchuk. He was one of the invited keynote speakers and guests at that event held live at the Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Miami Dolphins. Shout out to the Miami fans right there, right? Dolphin fans. This gentleman here has eight plus years, I'd say close to over a decade of business to business, business to customers, business to clients, social media marketing experience as a startup founder, brand marketing executive, public speaker. This guy's recognized as an award-winning storyteller. And you've seen his face, you've heard his voice. Mr. Carlos Gill, how you been, man? Considering that the Miami Dolphins are undefeated up until they play <laughs> the Patriots this Sunday, I'm doing pretty good. It's great to be back here in the studio with you, gentlemen. Man, and I'd like to say this guy was waiting to remind and let us know that the Dolphins are undefeated, man. You could tell he was waiting to jump in there, bro. So thanks for that courtesy. So in my feelings, Drake, tell me about that. What does that song remind you or, or light up in your mind? It reminds me of uh, perhaps the state of marketing today is people driven. It's not brand driven. And there's a reason why I had you play that song because my all new keynote that I'm going to be debuting at Internet Summit in Raleigh, North Carolina here in November, I believe it's November 14th to 15th, is actually going to be called What Marketers Can Learn from DJ Khaled and Drake. Oh, I like that. So I've been analyzing the state of marketing what I do as a marketer. And you look at the Shiggy Challenge, it's perhaps the hottest song of the summer. And the way that that song took off was because of Shiggy, who's a internet creator, influencer, if you want to call him that, really made this song go viral overnight. We've seen the videos, people jumping out of their cars, creating the content on Instagram. We saw Will Smith do it. So the whole point that I try to make to marketers is that you just have to have that one hit that takes off. You have to have that one product, that one message, that one vision, and more importantly, looking at what Shiggy has become to Drake, you have to have those loyal followers. Without that, if you don't have the followers that are talking about your brand and repping your brand, then guess what? All you have is a brand, and it's empty. So Shiggy Challenge, Drake, In My Feelings, I think it's a, it's a good case study if you look at the state of marketing today. And Again, I'm going to do an entire keynote on what marketers can learn, not only from Drizzy, but also from DJ Khaled. From Drizzy, I like that, man. So two questions. One is DJ Khaled or Drake. Which one is the better marketer? Ah, oh, it's a good question. I would say DJ Khaled. Hands down. I'd I say agree. DJ Khaled's yeah. a better businessman. I, I would say for sure. We'll get more into that. The second question is, and you got to be real, have you done the Shiggy Challenge? I have tried to do the Shiggy Challenge. I'm not the best dancer. 
you know, I'm one of those guys that if you see me at the club, I'll bob my head, I'll do the hand up and down. But, uh, you know, Shiggy Challenge, only a limited number of people have done it. But I'm going to try to do it on stage when I do my talks. So. Are you? Are you? Nice. I've, got, I've got some time to practice. So when you say you've done it, is that behind closed doors where you you, 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 you recorded one then said, nah, we ain't going to go live with it? Or I've or done it in the car. In front of the mirror. I've done it in the car several times. You know, when you're riding, when you're riding down the street. But uh, I try to do it at home, too. And just it doesn't look good. It doesn't look as crisp as when you see. I think pretty much anyone who's attempted it right in your mind, it looks as if like the other people who do it really good. Right. You're like, oh, I probably look like that. And you look at it and you're like, oh, damn, I don't look anything like that. We're (laughs) sending this out. So what I don't get, though, is that how did the Shiggy Challenge turn into like ghost riding the whip? Like, that's where I got confused, because originally the guy who did it, he's doing it like at night in the street, isn't he? Yeah. So they took it to the next level and said, let's just drive and get out the car and do it? Like, I don't get that. I don't know how these, how these things happen. If you look at pop culture nowadays, like Fortnite, for example, you have all these dances that kids are doing. My, my own kids, my oldest ones are uh, 12 and almost 10. They show me these dances that they learn from video games and from social media nowadays. And it becomes a pop culture phenomenon. I was actually reading last night, Chance the Rapper was on Twitter talking about how rappers should now be compensated royalties for the dances that are featured in games like Fortnite that people have to pay to. In fact, I was asking my son when we were playing Fortnite, like, how do you get these dances that I see the people do? Mm-hmm. He's like, Dad, you have to buy them. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Isn't but at the, crazy? Same, at the same point, when you look at the business aspect of it, hell, yeah. if I came out with a dance that now everyone is doing, you got football players when they score touchdowns are doing the Fortnite dances, you have you know kids everywhere doing. I'd want to get compensated too. Yeah, well said. So what does the Carlos Gill dance look like? <laughs> <laughs> it's shaking hands, <laughs> giving the halfway bro hug and shaking hands. That's you, what it is. You know you're in for a lot of surprises when you come back to the <laughs> studio, man. The first one we had to break the ice. Now we're really gonna dive deep. Well, I have to say, I have to say before we jump right into it, I want I want to say that you guys really gave me the best interview experience that oh, I've had all, that's awesome. all year long. And, and that's you. why I reached out to you thank several you. times on Instagram saying, man, let's do this again. Thank you, man. It was right at the beginning of the year. Uh, 2018 has been a phenomenal year. Uh, and I just think that that was really the start of something special for my trajectory. So awesome. it's great to be able so cool. to kind of round out the later part of the year with you guys once again. So <laughs> thank awesome. you for having me. And congratulations on the addition to your family, my wife. Whenever she sees him, she's like, Cena, this is the cutest kid. So, so congratulations. He's a God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, you guys, you guys set him up right. He's got the best little outfits and stuff like that. Well, so, congrats to you, thank People's you. Advisor, and your new edition as well. Thank you. Yeah, we got to, uh, we got to set him up on like, uh, what do they call it? Play dates. I- I'm not into that whole uh, setting that like stuff that. up, but we should hang out, introduce the kids. Um, they're, they're right around the corner from each other, age wise. Let's get it. So, hey, something he just asked you right now about like, what's the Carlos Gill dance? And I know it's kind of, you know, a joke, but it made me think of. <laughs> it ain't a joke. <laughs> it, made me, it made me think of like, how important do you think when someone's branding, if branding is people, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it, it, the project, not the projection, the progression of the way people think of branding and marketing, right? It was like, you have a company you want to become a brand, right? So you're recognized. Now it's like you have a brand, but you want to become a personality, right? Mm-hmm. That's like in front of that brand that everyone gets into. So when you are that personality or someone who's consciously trying to to make this happen, how important is having like a signature thing, right? Like Gary Vee's got the fight. Every picture you ever see, that dude's like, he's throwing up the his hand like that. And then like, 
rappers got their different like symbols and sign, whatever it is and someone's got to dance but how important do you think it is when you're trying to become relevant to the world that you have like a signature thing about you i don't think your your signature thing like again the gary v5 is as important as is your delivery of how people perceive you why they follow you why they consume you why they pay you more importantly to do what you do you can say that my signature thing you know there's people that they follow they followed me for years on social media they say wow this guy gets a lot of haircuts mm-hmm. uh you know that's haircuts my, always looking crispy too by the way my, thank you that's you switched my, it up a little bit though <laughs> yeah i yeah, got rid of the hard part so i slick it back uh but anyways haircuts have become that part of that thing for me when mm-hmm. i say it's my signature thing you know yes and no but do you have to have that absolutely not I think one of the biggest mistakes that content creators and entrepreneurs make is they follow the Gary Vee School of Business model where they want their content to look very closely aligned to his. Right. And I see this a lot with people having a signature in their in their content. Right. Having their content that's, that's a good out. Having their content very much framed. And don't get me wrong, I've had my designers ask me, Carlos, do you want your signature in your content? I tell them, I tell them, you know, no. My why do I want people to have my signature? <laughs> that like creates a whole lot of trouble. But again, I think originality speaks mm-hmm. volumes nowadays. Right. I think at the same time, when people think of you, do you want the first thing that they think about is a five or a hand sign? Or do you want it to be like, you know what, if I'm going to purchase insurance, I'm going to go to people's advisor. Or I'm going to go ahead and invest my money. Or in this case, I will say this that one of the things that helps me stand apart as a professional speaker is that when you see me speak on stage, I'm gonna give you actionable insights. I'm not gonna go on stage and talk for an hour about BS and fluff. I'm actually gonna show you and tell you this is how you can grow your business doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So again, how do you want people to perceive you and take you? So you've been in the business uh, or or in the industry for more than a decade. You've seen so much change. Um, What do you think about so many people are either labeling themselves as social media strategists or even content professional like speakers trying to do like what you do like have you recognized that everyone's <laughs> almost trying to do that or no i so i recognize it because i've been in this game now for 10 years i shared with you guys my story on the on the last episode i lost my job in the financial services industry due to the recession november 5th 2008 so this november 5th will be the 10 year anniversary nice. since i officially got in this game so 10 years now and here's what has changed the people, the platforms, the process and procedure is still the same. It's consistency. There's a reason why I've been able to hang around and continue to evolve and level up. It's because one, I'm a people's person. I recognize that what these platforms are is, is really a way, like we met, it's a bridge to connect you with other people, whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook. There's other people that look at these platforms as a get rich quick platform, mm-hmm. and that's not what it is. Now, there's ways to monetize, don't get me wrong, um, and we'll, we can talk about that as well, but to answer your question, you know, I wrote an article this morning for Entrepreneur for my next episode of Real Talk, which goes out on Monday on Facebook Watch with Gerard Adams and Greg Gallant, who founded the Shorty Awards, and the, the title of the article is Influencer Marketing Myths Revealed. So I ran a search on LinkedIn this morning, and out of curiosity, I looked up the job title, Influencer Marketing. Mm. There's over 463,000 people wow. on LinkedIn wow. whose job title is Influencer Marketing or Influencer Marketer. Right. 
True. And we only know two of them, three of them. <laughs> yeah. So think about that. So what happens is this. People see the Jake and Logan Pauls. They see the Ty Lopez. They see the Grant Cardones. They see the Gary Vees. We can go on and on mm-hmm. and on. And they see what? They see jets. They see luxuries. They see houses. They're not taking a look and analyzing the process. Mm-hmm. What we're doing here in the studio right now is mm-hmm. a process mm-hmm. to then be able to influence masses. We well hope said. so at least, right? So there's a lot of people that want to be a speaker. There's a lot of people that want to be a creator. There's a lot of people that want to be an influencer, but it takes a lot of time to get there. I will tell anyone, I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I've spoken on hundreds of stages at this point. Have I been paid hundreds of times? No. You have to go through the grunt work and work for free. And that's not just speaking. That's really anything to prove yourself, to get that opportunity, to build up your confidence uh, you know, someone was asking me yesterday, you know, Carlos, you look so confident when you're on camera, when you're doing podcast interviews, when you're on stage. And I tell him, I wasn't always confident. If you go right now, you run a YouTube search for Carlos Gill, and you look at video content from 2008, 9, 10, when I started vlogging in 14, I'm embarrassed by that content. You guys should take a look at it just to get some last year in the office. It's not the same person that you see now. But you see, if you do things over time, it's like anything else, you'll continue to level up. You'll get better over time. So what happens, again, going back to my earlier point, the only thing that's changed is the people, is people come and go. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen that one moment in the social media game, they're hot, they're everywhere, you see their face, and then six months later, they're nowhere to be found, or a year later, they're nowhere to be found. Same thing with the conference space. You go to conferences and there's new faces almost every single year. A good example of that is social media marketing world. This will be my fifth year, 2019 will be my fifth year speaking there. Since I started speaking there in 2015, Every single year you see new faces kind of rotate in and out because there's people that for one reason or another, they flame out. They recognize like this isn't what it was made to be or they're just not consistent or they move on to the next thing. Like, you know, I hate to bring it up, like cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. A year ago, you had a lot of people that were cryptocurrency experts that a year prior to that they were, you know, live video, Facebook live experts or a podcast expert that now, that now is talking about cryptocurrency. Yeah. That's true, man. A lot of people jumped on that, and then now, you know, you got like so, a handful of experts left. If you try to chase the current, you might get swept ashore. Ooh, that's pretty good. I mean, it's like um, a music artist, right? Like staying relevant and continuing to come out with albums. There's so many people we could probably name where it's like you, you go to Spotify and you play a list that's like 90s hip-hop or 2000s rock and roll or whatever. You're like, damn, I love that song. You're like, the hell happened to them right like, yeah so even true. in your world it's like being able to stay relevant and keeping up with all these changes um but i got a question for you i think it's i can't be the only one that struggles with this sometimes so if you want to influence people using social media not necessarily be an influence marketer where like like some of the names that you mentioned but someone who's a professional in an area and you also want to use social media maybe to help and to expand your business and grow and build and stuff like that right so your core monetary piece to your life is like your day job right if you're any good at it you're busy a lot right and it becomes hard i have so many days where at the end of the day i'm like damn like i should have posted that i should have gone live i should have done that i should have done that and it's like it's tough to stay in the mindset of constantly like documenting yourself right it, are there any tips or anything you can share to like help with that or is it just like you know step up and do it i don't know so i think it's what's your end game i i, I want to say that most most of us should aspire to get to the point 
to where we can pick and choose our opportunities. Mm-hmm. And we're not necessarily tripping over pennies for scraps. And I'll say from my perspective, over the last year or so since I started my business and left corporate, I post less content. And I haven't seen a hit to my bottom line. On the contrary, I've been able to continue to level up and monetize. I'm focusing on quality content though. At one point in 2015 and 16, when Snapchat blew up and I kind of rode that wave, I was working a corporate job. I was documenting every single thing I did, minus going to the bathroom Mm. and everything in between. And yes, I was able to build up a following and people started following me and kind of gravitating onto me on other social networks. But it's like anything else, man. It starts to get old fast. Like how many times can you share the same content with people? So my kind of advice and recommendation is create content if you have something that's genuinely of value to share. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, if you guys go on my Instagram story right now, I was walking down the street. I was walking to get some barbecue and for lunch. And I just started dropping sauce, man. I just started dropping game in a way that I haven't done in like a month mm-hmm. because I'm running a business like you guys. I don't always have time to be on Instagram or pushing out a video on YouTube. I just don't. But I focus on any time I'm going to hit that button, I'm striving my hardest to make a human connection with someone. Right. My goal is that someone's going to see that piece of content, even if it's one person, and they're going to send me a direct message and say, man, that really resonated with me. Thank you. And that's it. Like, I think a big mistake a lot of folks make is, one, they're not strategic. They don't have a purpose for why they're even doing any of this stuff. And it can be a big waste of time. If you have no purpose, don't do it. Just just stop right now. Like, I always say this to people. I would much rather be with my kids, enjoying my family, than doing any of this stuff. But I have to do it because it's now part of my career. But still, give value to people, which I know sounds super cliche and that's become a buzzword. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to take social media and make it work for you from the standpoint of making money, which I believe that's why a lot of people are on there, for one, it's a slow-moving process. Nothing happens overnight. Two, you have to ensure that when you are speaking, you aren't just showing that you're having drinks and a cigar with someone, but you're actually talking about what it is that you do. So, like for example, I see your content, People's Advisor, and I like that when you're out delivering policies – that shows me that you're busy, you're successful. If you're delivering five or six policies, someone trusts you, mm-hmm. right? With with their with their with well, their life right. and right. with their finances. That's right. Same thing with you guys running your business. You know, with real estate agents, insurance agents, that's sexy. I would say you go one step further and educate people on what it is that you do if you want to be able to monetize. So if you're a real estate agent, educate people on really how easy it is to obtain financing to buy a house. Educate people on why they need life and health insurance, why they need to invest their money for a rainy day or for retirement. Like that's the game is leverage these platforms to educate people. So then that light bulb goes off and now they feel so comfortable seeing your face that they say, you know what, dude, I want to do business with you. I love that, man. And you mentioned uh, leverage these platforms talking about platforms, Snapchat, Snapchat was fire uh, on the financial side they're getting destroyed. I mean, their IPOs came out like at 14, one of 24, now it's trailing at like 890 to 910. Someone's an investor. But Snapchat is just getting destroyed and the social media influencers seem to not be supporting them, but at one time they were. So I don't know what like the whole behind the agenda game is, but what is your prediction on what Snap's gonna do? Because uh, they, I think, they influence Instagram to do what Instagram's doing. I, I have not actively been on Snapchat in over a year now. Why? And 
I lost interest. I was one of those influencers that lost interest. I was on there every single day. If if you followed me on social media in the year 2016, maybe part of 17, you would have associated the Carlos Gill brand with Snapchat. And they lost my interest. Uh, they did not evolve at the rate that Instagram did. Let's face it, Instagram, owned by Facebook, has incorporated perhaps all the best features of every single social network that exists. They make it easy to connect with people. They make it easy for you to discover content as well. I think Snapchat has really missed the mark on that. And as a public company, they really haven't focused on how to get brands in front. They've had this mentality of we're kind of we're going to be like the brand-free social network, and it's going to be all about people-to-people networking. But let's face it, when you're public, you depend on brand revenue through advertising in order to grow your bottom line keep your shareholders happy i don't think that they've been successful in doing just that and uh, again it kind of goes back to myself i've seen where my community has kind of gone they've gone over to instagram and facebook and you know it's almost like snapchat has become an empty bar so to speak so Hmm. you said you haven't used your snapchat for like roughly about a year now i haven't gone on there to actively create stories to to build i'll repurpose some stuff here and there but so are you okay if that falling off snapchat slowly just dies down because it's providing that small amount of value it doesn't bring value to me okay uh conference organizers have reached out to me left i've let them know i'm not speaking on snapchat anymore I've evolved my brand. I'm more than happy to come out and talk to you about the state of social media marketing and I'll incorporate Snapchat into that. But let's face it, it's not relevant amongst marketers today. Now, could I be wrong? Are there people out there getting value on Snapchat? I'm more than certain. In fact, I met with a successful real estate broker two days ago for happy hour and he said that he's made a lot of money. We're talking seven figures through deals that have originated on Snapchat. Mm -hmm. And then I turned around and asked him, well, have you ever used Twitter? And he said he gets no value on Twitter. I said, that's interesting. I would actually think it's the other way around. You could get six to seven figures of, of monetary earnings if you know how to use Twitter versus storytelling on Snapchat. I mean, it's got to be partially, though, too, the, the, the person that's delivering the content, where do they feel the most comfortable? Which platform do they like to use the most? Like if that guy just doesn't vibe with Twitter, he's not going to get what you can get out of it because he's not – connected to it and then he's connected to that's a part of it i would imagine right um so let's say snapchat approached you as an award-winning snapchat storyteller and said what are some of the voids we can fill what are some of the gaps that we could could um you know eliminate what do we do what would you say that's a good question that's a that's a really really good question first of all i'd say you have to be more like instagram at this point and you have to also have a presence on desktop I think that's one of the biggest mistakes where Snapchat has faltered is that they are limited to mobile. Even Instagram, you can access on a desktop now. And I know that a lot of marketers, a lot of people you know, much smarter in the technology space than, than any of us all say, well, everyone has a cell phone nowadays. Yeah, I get that. But when you're at your office, you're not going to be using a cell phone to consume content. You're going to be going on Facebook.com and doing it from your laptop or from your computer. Snapchat. Again, you're only limited to a mobile device. You have to now assume that people have fast internet connection. You have to assume that they have unlimited internet access. I know there's a lot of people who are capped with how much you know internet they can use on their phone a month. Like there's so many different variables that again, like you're shrinking the amount of people you can reach. Like that's one aspect of it. You know, besides desktop, you have to be you have to become known as a social network that's not just used by kids. I think that's where the biggest heartburn lies. I know when I was speaking on stages, one of the things that about Snapchat, one of the things that I started 
seeing was that a lot of marketers with budget, people that manage millions of dollars at brands, were saying, well, I'm not on Snapchat. My kids are there. So now the perception was it's a place where their kids go to network, so they're not thinking inherently, this is where my brand should be advertising. Also, as a marketer, if you're not using it yourself, then you don't even understand how it works, which makes it that much harder to even want to invest your marketing dollars. So I, I could I could like go on like just it, about man. that. But for me, I tell you, and we'll move on from Snapchat this, the biggest reason that I probably, in my mind, decided I need to jump off this platform was that when I was going overseas, to South America and to Europe, people were not using Snapchat. They were using WhatsApp, they were using Messenger, they were using Instagram, but they weren't using Snapchat. So I'm going into a market to talk about platform that that hardly anyone's even using. Mm-hmm. So the next one is Instagram. Every you know, you've you've moved all that stuff to Instagram. Do you agree though that some of Instagram's features, the invisible disappearing stories, um, the whole uh, you know having the longer uh, live feeds or stories do you see that some of that was inherited from snap starting that or no i think it was okay but i'm not in the business of analyzing how they run their companies i, I got you i'm in the business of being able to teach people how to use the platforms and, and quite frankly gentlemen get as much juice out of the squeeze that's it these platforms aren't going to be around forever i, I love these one-liners man. If, if you look at myspace and aol i can tell you these platforms are AOL. not are not always going to exist yeah. So you have to get as much juice out of the squeeze as, as you possibly can. So You just lined up, man. The next question, Carlos. You, you said that they're not going to, I guess, last as long. Uh, Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. This guy is, in my opinion, mad respect for him. Dude, huge influencer, successful, just guru in his game. He disconnected and canceled his Instagram. And his quote was very similar to this, that being on my Instagram was like death by drinking water. Or death Drinking by water. death juice. Almost wow. something like along that. the lines of like my Instagram. Being on Instagram is like death by water. Or water. Yeah, death by water. That's what it was. So it almost was like you're not going to get anything from it. You're just constantly consuming or drinking. There is no value. This is from Elon Musk. What do you think that, that sort of spans from? You have to think of whether it's Instagram or Facebook. Any form of media consumption is very similar to TV. Back in the day when we were kids, we would spend, I would assume, three, four, five hours a night watching TV. That's now become Instagram. It's the replacement. It's the substitute. So for me, an eye-opener was I was watching the show Hard Knocks uh, with the Cleveland Browns, and one of the players on Hard Knocks had made a comment to his teammates that if you spend two hours a day on Instagram, you're wasting an entire month of your year. And to me, that was an eye-opener like, Holy crap, that's a lot of time that you're wasting. So it goes back to one of the things I said before, which is what's your purpose? Mm -hmm. Social media can be a big black hole. You can get consumed and sucked into it. If you're going on there and just watching people's stories and you're not having conversations and direct messages and really truly engaging, if you're not seeing any ROI, and ROI is subjective. It doesn't necessarily need to be measured in dollars and cents. So if you're not seeing any value, then you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? Now, I know that there's a belief of people that will say, well, I'm more of a consumer. I'm not a creator, and I enjoy consuming content. That's great. If you have the affordability in your life that you can disconnect from other mediums and other avenues that do bring you value, and Instagram fills that need to consume, great. Keep doing it. That's it. Yeah, it's like the 
consume or be consumed, right? It's like one or the other. You're either going to consume other people's stuff or your stuff's going to be, be the, consumed. You can be the vampire or you can be vampired. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I can roll with that one-liner. You can be the vampire or be vampired. So what's up with uh, some of these uh, European and international tours? I know the last time we talked, you were sort of really feeling um, that was kind of the start of a lot of international movement. Have you um, continued that? Do you see yourself doubling down on getting around the world, or is America where you, you see more opportunity for you? You know what? So uh, Europe and South America, there's a lot of opportunity out there, not just for myself as a speaker or marketing and social media practitioner and thought leader, but for a lot of folks. You know, you've been seen uh, overseas to, to Asia recently. Blessed. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, congrats. And my belief is that you have to go outside of your comfort zone if you really want to see what else is out there. You have to travel the world. You have to meet other cultures if you really want to expand your wings and really tap in your full potential, I think there's only so much potential that you can tap into in, in your city, in your country. Uh, you have to go out there, man, travel. Now, now, I, I want to preface by saying this. A mistake that I view a lot of people have consistently made is that before they dominate their city or their town that they live in, they're wanting to hit up all these other markets. And I think that you know, to, to use this as an example, when I first got in this, in this business, I lived in Jacksonville, Florida. So for the first four or five years that I was in social media, I had a startup before I went to go work in corporate. And my whole focus was my community. I was, I was doing speaking engagements in my community. I was doing, hosting events in my community, giving back as much as I could to my community. So eventually I became a bigger fish in a small pond. And then what did I do? leveled up and moved to San Francisco and then I became a very small fish in a big pond kind of got to know the SF market and I started speaking around the country and then I moved here to LA and it was again you go to an even bigger market and you're continually going outside of your comfort zone and then when I came to LA was when the international speaking engagement started so I think that there, you know all of us every single one of us out there have the power to manifest our destiny but you have to start small and you look at the internet's and it's very, very easy to, to fall into the allure of the numbers, mm -hmm. the people. Very easy to do that. But there's so much business and opportunity just waiting to be had in your own backyard. So you added uh, another uh, check to the list of things in your life, right? You've spoken at hundreds of conferences. You've now put on your own. Um, is Jacksonville, Florida, because that's where your original core community was, why you chose to do the conference there? That's a great question. So it is. So originally from Fort Lauderdale, but I spent most of my adult life, or I've spent most of my adult life living in Jacksonville before I moved over to the West Coast. And, you know, Jacksonville's a community that's very near and dear to me. Um, you know, needless to say, as much as I can do to give back, it kind of goes back to that saying, don't forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. Don't forget where you got your start, where you got your roots. So for me, it's more of a play to be able to give back to my community. I speak on all these stages. I meet all these cool people. So what... You know what? What better thing to do than to be able to bring some of these individuals to Jacksonville, who otherwise would never be invited to go speak there? That's pretty cool. How was it? How, how did it you was feel? great? So we did Social Media Day uh, in Jacksonville. It was our second event next year. Will be the third year that we do it. Right. We had some some big thank you, thank you. We had some big name speakers come in. Daryl Eves was a big YouTuber. Dennis Yu, big Facebook uh, advertising guy. Loria Petrucci was the the world's leading. Uh, Facebook Live experts. So we had some big names come in, gave an opportunity also some local agencies and you know local speakers as well. And uh, it was great, man. We did it at the University of North Florida. We had a little over 400 people come out for two days. And nice. Yeah. It's awesome. Congratulations. Couldn't be happier with the results. 
Awesome. So, so what's what's next for your? You mentioned November. You're going uh, to have another speaking engagement. Where are you going in November? I'm going to uh, in, to Internet Summit in South Carolina. In Raleigh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, good. I got to make sure it's the right place. So, tell me about this uh, event. Yeah, so Internet Summit is one of the largest uh, digital marketing events that you see on on the East Coast. Uh, it's at the uh, convention center there. I believe Seth Godin might be the keynote this year. Uh, they always kind of bring in some big names. It's a part of a, a larger conference circuit that I'm on called Digital Summit, okay. uh, which Digital Summit uh, has afforded me the opportunity to speak in 20 different U.S. cities this year, and I'll be in Charlotte next week, uh, in fact. Wow. And then uh, Internet Summit's their flagship event that's hosted every year in uh, Raleigh. Wow, that's awesome. And then what's the, uh, I guess, expected uh, attendance for something like that? Thousands. Thousands. Congrats, man. That's, that's awesome. That's so did the, the hurricane mess anything up over there? I don't believe so. I mean, obviously, it messed stuff up over there, but not where the conference is going to be. Correct. So tell me, Carlos, where is uh, social? What, what's the next platform? What's the the next big that you see uh, social media going towards or people working on? So I think it's virtual reality. And uh, Facebook made an investment buying Oculus several years ago. And I, I think we're at a point where virtual, virtual reality is, is not mainstream yet. The way I look at VR now is almost like where the smartphone was in 2007. When the, when the iPhone first was introduced. Mm-hmm. It's still at the ground level. You've got a lot of people that are geeking out over VR, but until people have a VR headset in almost every household or every office, we won't be at a point of mass consumption yet, but I think it's, it's definitely virtual reality. In terms of social networks, I get asked this question all the time. You've got your core. You've got Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn that aren't going away, and still Snapchat that's kind of you know eating at their market share. I think that there's definitely room for newer players to come into the space, but it's like anything else. You have to be you know, unique. You have to be different. And uh, we've seen a lot of social networks kind of come and go. And uh, I've been one of these folks that at this point in my career, I try to focus on continuing to grow where I'm at. Uh, I definitely don't go chase the new shiny objects at this point, nor do I recommend that others do. I love it. Right. Pinterest, are you on there? Years ago. Years ago. So are they no, it, it's they not, still it's exist. Not, it's not your flavor, right? They still not your exist, flavor. but it's definitely not my flavor. Okay, cool, man. I like that. So, what are your thoughts on the what the two co-founders of Instagram leaving, right? And like, so will that shake it up, change things? Not at like, all. What do you think? No, not at all. I think I think these gentlemen uh, they got paid. They probably had to stay on board for an agreed period of time, which typically is what happens with most acquisitions. And they got their check and they're out. So I think Instagram will continue to operate independent of Facebook. It's right now the most actively used social network behind Facebook. They have over a billion daily active users, which is really, really strong. Again, like we talked about before, Snapchat really had an opportunity to be Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they missed the mark. Someone else capitalized. And that's a good business lesson. I think for anyone, based on whatever industry you're in, it's a really, really good business lesson. You don't necessarily have to be the first, but you do have to go ahead and pack the biggest punch. Pack the biggest punch, man. I love that. So, uh, Carlos, you've had so many speaking engagements. What is the most common question that you get asked from your, uh, you know, attendants or, or attendees? That's a really good question. I typically will get asked, and it's varying, um, varying industries, but I typically will get asked, how often do I need to post on social media? It, it seems like that's the question that I get asked the most. So I went from allowing that question to be asked and now I just incorporate it mm-hmm. into my presentation. So you know, for your listeners out there, you guys are probably asking how often should I post? My answer typically is you have to have an omni-channel presence and it's not about posting a set number of times. Like I can't tell you, Cena, you know, Matt, 
post three times a day on Facebook. What I will say to you is make sure that you have an omni-channel presence where you're spreading your content out around platforms. That way you're touching these different networks. And it's not so much about posting, it's about connecting and engaging. So you don't necessarily have to post in order to be active on Facebook or Instagram. In fact, there's more value in going on other people's content mm -hmm. and riding that wave. So Love there's that. days where I won't post at all on Instagram, but I've copied on like 30 people's pictures. And Take guess notes, you guys. Take you, notes. You just saw Carlos Gill 83 in your newsfeed if you're the person that posted it. Mm -hmm. And if you also are following that feed, you will now see my name on there, and you'll be inclined to go see what does this guy do. This is all value right here. Strategies. It is the detail. It, it's the stuff behind the scenes that people don't get, which is super valuable. It's it's the process. Right. And we were talking about that before we came live here. There's so much that goes into content creation that doesn't get talked about. In fact, when I was with our good friend uh, Robert Courtney yep. in Detroit, Robert shout, Courtney. shout out to Robert. Absolutely, we man. Were, unique. We were talking. We were talking about this. It was, it was late at night, man. But it was such a good conversation about content creation so many things that are overlooked creating content and building a brand whether it's a personal brand or a professional brand is so complex there's so many levels to this and like i said before you know with the behind the scenes spreading out your content making sure that you're in these various social networks i can't tell you how many people overlook twitter that's by far for me my go-to i think it's the best social network that exists but most professionals you ask them they say oh i don't get twitter i don't use twitter you, well guess what you're missing out because you're focusing 85% of your time on Facebook or on Instagram. Same thing with LinkedIn. There is so much money to be made on LinkedIn. So much money to be made. Your next customer is sitting on LinkedIn mm -hmm. right now. I agree with that. But people overlook LinkedIn. Why? Because it's work. It's hard. You can't just go there and show up and post some photos and have people sweating you. It takes work. It takes work. All right. That's right. So I want to piggyback on his question and flip it. What's the question you wish people asked you more? Oh man, <laughs> you always bring the bring the heat on me. I would say that I would like for people to ask me more in terms of the process. Uh, ask more about results. Uh, ask me more about not so much the aesthetics, but how do you do X, Y, and Z? So for example, a lot of people come up to me and they'll say, you know, hey Carlos, I want to speak on stages. It's like, okay, well, go do it you don't need my permission to go mm -hmm. do it i would prefer that people say carlos what's your advice or recommendation if i want to speak on more stages which then at that point i will sit you down and give you right. the rap right or carlos how can i make social media work for me in my business and then i'll turn around and ask you well what's your objective based on what you say that your objective is there's going to be a varying answer i think a lot of people though when i'm at conferences and they'll stay on stage they'll have like a very broad question and I'll give you guys an example, social media day. Someone asked me about automization. Um, should you, should you uh, automate your content? And I said, you should find ways that you can outsource the nitty gritty pieces of your business so you can focus on what you're really good at. So if you're not good at editing, you outsource it. If you just don't have the time every single day to go on Instagram and comment and post, find a way to automate that, whether it's hiring a VA or, or having a bot do it, just find ways again going back to the processes well that then exposes you as a speaker and thought leader because there's people who are going to poke holes at your process of doing things and right. i always preface by saying look the way that i do something might not work for you it might not be the way that you agree mm -hmm. but respectfully it works for me 
And that's what I can teach on is what works for me. Right. I mean, as you scale, the idea is to do less of the things that don't have to be you and more time spent on the stuff that has to be you, right? Like someone can't sit in this chair and have this interview for you, but somebody could chop up the edits for you and then help redistribute it. It had to be you in the chair, though. Nobody else could replace that. So in my business, I, on a high level overview, when I'm working with someone who's new and I'm trying to explain to them, like, this is the process, right? This is what we're going to do. I've broken it down to three major sectors. And then obviously there's a ton of details in there that we then learn over time, but it's people, problem, product. We got to find people mm-hmm. right, who care enough to learn and want to know more about how they can help themselves. We have to find their problem and then a product to place it. If someone wants to become better at using social media to grow their brand, to monetize, whatever, is there something that's like a simple three macro stages to like the process that you could give that people could think and remember, okay, I have to do one, two, and three. There's a ton of details inside of it, but how would you break down like macro stages of the process that you think it's, people need? It's, it's the same thing that you just, you just described. Who that's am I, cool. Who am I trying to sell to? So who am I trying to sell to? aligns with what platform am I going to reach that audience? Two is what's my value proposition to them? So you should either be engaging, entertaining, or educating. So you should teach people how to do something, you should wow them, or you should go ahead and you know just be kind of over the top, creator style, really dope, cool content. Most of us, especially in financial services here, would fall into educating category. Mm-hmm. So again, your, your people are on which platforms, what's your value proposition to them? And then the third is delivery. What are you going to put in front of them in order to go ahead and educate them or inspire them or really move them to want to do business with you? It's the same thing. It's sales. Like at the end of the day, I've just broken down for you gentlemen and your listeners here, this whole process of social media marketing is sales, but how do you get there? How do you get people to feel so comfortable with you that inherently you're selling to them, but you're not necessarily offering a product in their face well said man so carlos top five social media influencers your go-to top five. Ah, oh, man there are you're limited to five top five so many so many uh i follow and consume content from from both of you gentlemen from our friend. no no we don't qualify for that no, one, but, man. But, here's, but here's the thing though because i follow <laughs> less of the influencers and i follow more real people that the reality, Amen, no man. pun intended, is that I we're going to potentially either do business together or at some point well go ahead and collaborate. So I'll tell you the people I follow. I follow our, our friend uh, Tyler Harris Page. I follow Dexon City. I follow you know both of you gentlemen. Thank there, you, there's man. there's a lot of peeps. I've kind of just named the uh, the Gary V Agent 2021 alumni. Uh, I, actually, I refer to them as the Disrupt Tour alumni, but I like your. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to scratch that question because there's so many more on that list that I know you dropped. So scratch that question. Props to the, to the people you mentioned, and thank you. The second one, the follow-up, is your top three personal mentors that have had the greatest impact on your growth. Wow. Top three. That's a good one. So definitely my mom and dad. Watch, I'll kind of group them into... We'll count that as one, so you have two more. We'll count that as, <laughs> we'll count, we'll count that as one. So, uh, you know, Michael Stelzner, who runs Social Media Examiner and puts on the Social Media Marketing World Conference, he's been really influential for me. Uh, you know, mentors come in, in, in different ways, and, and they, they, they come and go at different points in your life when you kind of need them. And 
I haven't necessarily had the mentor mentee relationship with a lot of folks where there's like a structured process, but it's one of those things like someone like Mike, there's been times where I've needed to reach out to him or he's reached out to me because he observes what I put out. It's like, Hey dude, like you might want to think about going down this, this, this lane of talking about politics. Great coach. Uh, A couple other people I'll name drop. One of them is Paul Chibe used to be the uh, chief marketing officer at uh, Anheuser-Busch. Uh, he's been you know, influential in my career, especially early on when I was working in retail and CPG. Another one is Dave Henry, who used to be the former CMO at Winn-Dixie. Uh, he was a CMO before I went to go work at Winn-Dixie. And again, there's people here I and love there. it, man. It's always tough because there's people that mean a lot yes. to you. Yes, And yes. You know, when you get put on the spot, it's like kind of hard. Like, oh gosh, well, who do I name? But then I'm being limited to yeah, a certain. You, that's that's why I wanted to make sure that those listening, man, that that you you could tell. There's so many you could list. What is one remaining goal that you have planned to conquer by the end of 2018 that you have not yet accomplished that you know we have time to get done? Ah oh, man, that's gonna be difficult. So I want I want to <laughs> break the news here. I just got my first book deal. Congratulations, so, man! Yeah, Congratulations. And I haven't gone public with it, so I just went public with it Thank here on the you, podcast. You heard it it's here. My, heard it here first. <laughs> Coming at you. That was one of my. That was one of my goals. So my my debut book will be out. At Can we drop the title year. of that book yet? Or no? uh, we're gonna hold off for uh, now. We're gonna hold good. off for now. We're gonna Fair hold enough. off for now. Like It'll that. be out October of 2019, though. So congratulations! If you follow me on social media, which hopefully all your listeners at this point will follow me at carlosgill 83 on Twitter or Instagram. Congratulations on that, man. Then you'll be you'll be hearing more. So book will be out late next year. That was a big 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 goal of mine you know i came out with this instagram post at the beginning of the year with like these are the five or six things i want to do and you know a book was on there speaking more countries was on there so i've been able to check these things off you know i I have been blessed um doing a ted talk i haven't done yet uh that's on that list i don't know if i'll be able to make it happen in the next three months but i think the thing that's good about goals gentlemen is that when you set goals for yourself, these are self, self-imposed goals. Mm-hmm. No one's sticking a gun to your head saying you have to make this happen. I think it's something that kind of keeps you grounded, keeps your focus. Uh, I would love to do a TED Talk. I've also learned that you know there's a criteria selection process. There's TEDx's everywhere mm-hmm. in the world. But you know I'm a believer in, in due course. Things happen when they're supposed to happen in the mm-hmm. manner and order it's supposed to happen. Words yeah. of wisdom. I'm a believer in due course. I you like know that. what Trust you the process. you probably can do by the end of this year is find one more person who can get you closer to the person who decides if you're on a TED Talk or not. True that. Hey, man, we're all, what, three, four degrees of separation? Was it three? Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation, man. Well, there you go right there. You heard it live. One last thing, Mr. Carlos Hill. Words of wisdom for our listeners before we uh, give them the weekend to enjoy this? Always, always be yourself. Uh, there's people that are going to knock you down. There's people that are going to discourage you. There's people that are going to tell you that you're not good enough to do something. There's always going to be someone else's boxes that you have to check, but never lose sight of who you are, what your purpose is, and put purpose over profit. Put awesome. purpose over profit, man. Mr. Carlos Gill, People's Advisor. Again, it's your boy, Sina Azari, CEO accredited. Thank you, man, for, for spending the, the morning with us on this Friday. Awesome day. All right, gentlemen. You guys be safe out there. We got Gil doing the Kiki Challenge now. Y'all missing it. <laughs>